This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. I know you'll be alright Even when times get hard And you feel like you're in the dark You will see Just how beautiful life can be When you soften your heart You can finally start To live your truth is life Hello everybody. I just listened back to this episode that I recorded last week and I'm really proud and inspired by myself. And I know that sounds probably strange, but it's okay to be proud of yourself. In fact, we should be proud of ourselves, but it was really cool to listen back and gain inspiration and strength in a moment where I need it from a time where I had it. And I think that speaks great volumes about how one day we feel really strong and connected and then the next day we don't. And rather than see that as winning and failing, it's about returning back to that source of inspiration, of connectedness. And that is what the journey of staying in alignment and close to our true selves is really about. I really love this, Lisa, lately. I feel free, unlocked, and I'm really excited to bring and open up a part of me that I feel has been in hiding. So in this episode, I am talking about a lot of different topics. I'm going to be talking about ego releasing, how to not tie your self-worth to any number, the side effects of steeping into my own life and finding inner peace, the importance of hobbies and learning in general and how to not get tripped up if you're not quote unquote good at learning. Bringing nuance to wellness culture, what I am starting to realize is possibly like my purpose here. There is so much nuance when it comes to wellness versus what I'll define as wellness culture. And I don't think we need to throw out the the baby with the bathwater type of a thing. I'm going to talk about my compassionate yet critiqued take on the Gwyneth Paltrow podcast clip that went viral and took the internet by storm. And I'm also going to talk about the Pamela Anderson documentary on Netflix and cover the topic of toxic masculinity. 
And lastly, I'm going to talk about yoga somatics, gaining wisdom and insight into our emotions and regulating our nervous system through movement, both on and off the mat. Like I said, a lot of random topics packed into a 45 minute episode, but that's just what goes on in my mind on a given month. I hope you enjoy this month's Lisa Lately. Let's jump in. Welcome back to Lisa Lately, the once a month time we get together where I share everything that's going on in my mind, in my journal, in my body with all of you very open and honestly. Now, let me kind of back up. The podcast is called The Truthiest Life. And yet I do feel like I've been holding back from you all. But tiny shifts have led up to this moment where I'm not doing that anymore. Despite this podcast being called The Truthiest Life and constantly working on myself and my ego, I'm going to admit that showing up to this microphone has been a little bit scary for me. Not necessarily to just show up and create the content, but to give it my all. This is content that lives forever. Listeners, I've been very focused on retaining them, getting new ones, getting positive reviews, especially in the first year to two of getting this podcast out the door. And I've made so many subtle shifts that I'm going to get into in this episode that have cleared that slate for me where I don't care. I mean, I care that I come through honestly, respectfully and thoughtfully, but I'm not going to not speak my fullest mind on things that I feel called to share on in the way that I feel called to share with them because of that fear of loss anymore. I think my daughter getting sick this past year really put a lot into perspective for me where if I'm not doing something that feels really good, I'm not going to do it. Meaning the podcast, Instagram, showing up in these additional ways outside of how I can serve. I can take my mission grassroots and be very happy to serve my local community. I'd even be happy just being mom for now. However, that's not where I'm at in this moment. But by recognizing that, I've been able to strip away the ego a little bit more and show up only when I want to show up versus showing up because I feel like I have to to stay relevant. So my first part of Lisa Lately today is about how to leave the grind, live your truth without ego. And this was not an overnight process for me. And it was actually just today where I kind of realized that a huge shift has happened within me. And this huge shift feels like freedom. It might look like nothing to the outside world, but my nervous system, my anxiety, my thinking thoughts, my feelings, my emotions are very different than I think how it's been the last couple of years. On a personal front, having my life on social media, having that become a brand, having your follower number be public, your likes be public, all that type of information, you know, that of course I put myself out here to do so, I didn't realize how that would impact my sharing and my self something. You know, my brand is is my name. And I, I think that, that we can apply this to every part of anybody's life. I'm speaking hyper-specifically to my own, but I just wanted to share that in trying to keep up with the Joneses, for lack of a better word, but apply that to your life, by trying to keep up with what's cool, by trying to keep up with the algorithm, to make Instagram happy, to do TikTok, to do this, to do that. Da, 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 da. I was constantly chasing my tail as a 
when I was pregnant or as a new mom, it was like, I have so much information. That's not the problem. But figuring out how to get it out there became this obstacle for me. Whereas sharing online used to be effortless. A thought came into my mind. I could put words to it, picture, boom, 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 boom. And you put it out into the universe. Now there was so much work involved to do so that it became so heavy of a task. And yet I spent a lot of time trying to keep up. And I don't know if, if I actually spent a lot of time trying to keep up or just mentally was consumed by that. Because if I look back at what I've put out there in the past couple of years, it's been a lot less than previously. But so much of my mental consumption went towards, I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do it that way. I'd have to do it right now. When all that left me was uninspired, not aligned, and not even productive, if I really look back. When I flash forward to now, and this was not an overnight shift, I'm going to share, I think, how I ended up here a little bit. I do not care. I would not care if Instagram went away tomorrow. I would miss a lot of my friends on there. Hopefully my newsletter would be a way to connect with you all or my podcast. But the general point being that my self-worth is no longer in this moment tied to the professional version of me. No, that's not the right public figure version of me that's out there. I can happily retreat, be a nobody, which is a somebody. We shouldn't call it a nobody. I can be just me, and that would be enough. How freeing is that, right? And we can't all just walk away from our responsibilities. But I think we can change our relationship to them because, in effect, I haven't stepped away from being a public figure. But the way it feels inside of me is drastically different because I started to do it my way and walk away from the numbers. And some of that, which you may or may not care about, has meant walking away from working with brands. Working with brands has been wonderful, a great way for me to make money, become shift into motherhood without exhausting all of my resources. But at the same time, they take a lot of work. And most importantly, it's a lot about the numbers. They want to see how many people are liking your story, how many people are clicking your links. And they have to provide those analytics. And all of that for me is very, can be very low vibe. So in shifting, I've really said to myself, it's okay if you don't do any brand deals. Yes, that is a significant hit in my income that I'm going to need to recoup otherwise because we've got bills to pay, we've got a Maya to pay that works for me and all sorts of things. But in doing so, it's actually reshifted my focus back on what I want to be doing, which is serving people in various ways. That doesn't mean that I'm done working with brands. I absolutely love the brands that I work with and creating meaningful content that provides value, education, or access to information or products that you otherwise wouldn't have. But it does mean really, really, really being so hyper-specific with ones that really align with my soul and where I want to be. So this all began on my retreat, actually. When I went away by myself uh, back in August, I was about a year into being a mother, lost, confused, felt very separate from myself. And I took a few days to go away. And during that time, I journaled a lot. And if I look back on my journal, I got such good clarity in a short amount of time. Things that I wrote were spending less time on social media, doing a retreat, teaching yoga, continuing my career in learning to teach yoga. And I, I flashed forward six, seven months from now, from then, and so many of those things I've checked off on my list. 
And I don't say that to be like, yeah, you're crushing your goals, Lisa. I say it because this is the first time that I ever got so crystal clear on goals that were immeasurable and in specific and without working with such intensity that could have caused me to fall out of alignment in pursuit of achievement and being so goal oriented that you're, you are blinded by that and forget about everything else that we have to do and our roles and responsibilities and things that we care about. I effortlessly, no, that's not the right word. I softly accomplished them. Like I arrived here by soft living, no grind, intense hustle, just putting my head down and following what feels good. And I think it speaks volumes about intentionality and revisiting that intentionality a million times over. That journal that I wrote in, I have revisited a million times since. And it's almost magical how all those things kind of came together. They weren't overnight. I remember I came back from the retreat. And I'm like, okay, I want to start teaching yoga. Pulled out my calendar and I was like about to put it some dates on. And then I was like, nah, I'm not ready yet. Meanwhile, I've taught every Thursday for the past three weeks, seven months later. And so not everything happens on the timeline that you expect it to. And yet when you follow the leads, this journey that I've been on, I feel like there's been little pieces of bait that I've followed and they've taken me there. I've ended up in a really, really, really good place. A lot of this has come from leaving my ego, but the work hasn't felt like, Lisa, leave your ego, Lisa, leave your ego, Lisa, leave your ego. Leaving my ego has been a result of me shifting my priorities into what and who I want to be. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, stay connected wherever you go and transform your vehicle into a dependable Wi-Fi hotspot. Powering applications like real-time GPS and voice assistant, navigation becomes a breeze. Even on the practice field, AT&T in-car Wi-Fi keeps you connected while in proximity of your vehicle. Work, stream shows, or finish homework without missing a beat. See if you're eligible for a free trial at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. Don't let connectivity be a roadblock in your journey. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't get distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. By spending more time learning yoga, teaching yoga on my mat, studying, by picking up a hobby, sewing, I'll talk about that in a moment, I have accidentally spent less time chasing my tail on 
You've got to put out content. You've got to put out content this way. This is what's going on right now. The algorithm's this. Look at how this person's putting out content. She's soaring to the top. You got to do that. You have so much good stuff to say. Why can't you put it out like her? Like, this is what used to go on in my mind. Not to say that I don't still get those thoughts. Actually, I really don't get those thoughts. Essentially, when I do see somebody soaring to the top and in their flow, I'm like actually just clapping. That's actually what I just noticed as I'm saying this out loud. I really haven't had that neural pathway reactivated by way of seeing other people do well. And again, this is all like side effects of just steeping into my own life, keeping my hands on the driving wheel of my own car, not worrying how fast somebody else is going next to me, not worrying what type of car they're driving, but literally hands on the wheel, looking forward or down really into myself has allowed all of that to melt away. And as a result, I feel different. I'm sleeping differently. My anxiety is different. I have anxiety about other things related to motherhood and the world and the planet. But when it comes to that self-absorbed type of anxiety about ego-related success, it's all gone right now. It will come back. And I say that because there have been moments in my life where I've separated myself from this before. And then life carries on and I get lazy, for lack of a better word, messy untidy with my habits. And I find myself here again. And I know that. And that's okay. But let us together realize that when we put our head down and focus on ourselves, our study, our own work, what we have to offer to the world, when we build that up so high, the desire to prove it to the world fades away. And that's peace. That's inner peace. And I savor, savor, savor those moments. Too much of my life was grown up in chaos where I was either part of chaos or creating chaos. And if something felt too good, I was afraid of it because I thought that it would be chased away quickly. Now I know to lean into joy, to peace, and to thank God for teaching me how to do so. Thank God for mindfulness and thank God for allowing me to find expansiveness and spaciousness in my body because it's a much better way to live. So how could you apply this to your own life? I think that there's a million ways in which the trends, the Joneses, what other people are doing, what other people are thinking about you, where that takes more precedent in your mind over what you're actually doing. And we don't realize how that's noise, that's a distraction, and how that pulls us from our own self. So I encourage you, if there is a part of you that has something to offer to this world. P.S. That's everybody. Soak in that. And your offering to the world, by the way, might be something like taking care of your home and your children or taking care of your parents or your siblings. Like it doesn't have to be such a macro, macro healer, intuitive guide type of a thing. But focus on what you do and everything else will fade away. Because we will never find happiness or that end goal by way of chasing it. The success will never be enough. The feeling of being accepted will never be enough. The feeling of being cool and part of something, it will never be enough. The enoughness comes when we realize that the enoughness is not over there, it's in here. And that's on living your truth without ego. 
The other thing that has very much helped me shift into gear has been picking up a hobby. So many of you have seen on social media that I started to relearn how to sew. I was actually a fashion major in college for my freshman year, and that was my first time seeing a sewing machine, knowing anything about it. I spent a year trying to learn how to sew, and I felt so defeated. I was in class with a lot of people that already knew the basics of sewing, and I felt very thrown in, and I had no skills to learn. And that might sound weird, right? Like, I'm in college, I should have skills to learn. But I really didn't. My focus was on learning. I had to get it right. I had to figure it out. So much so that I did not absorb very much during that time. And I think that's very normal when learning anything new. But that's something that I've only realized lately that for me, in order to retain information, there needs to be a nice level of priming there. So hearing things for the first time, it's as if I've never heard them before. Hearing it for the second time, like now we're talking third time, now we're making money here. And I have been talking and wanting to go back to learning how to sew since the beginning of the pandemic. I bought a little sewing machine for like on Amazon for like $30 that just sat there. And I am not a self-led learner. I wish that I was, but I do require like a tutor, a one-on-one. So I decided to sign up for sewing classes in my town. It's an offering, a wonderful offering. And I'm somebody that like jumps into things and goes all in. I was going to buy the sewing machine and all this stuff. And I was like, you know what, Lisa, slow down. Just go to the class. It's six weeks long. And at the end of the six weeks, decide where you want to take this hobby. You might find out that you hate sewing, or you might find out that this machine's better than this machine, whatever it is. So I went to class every week for six weeks, and it was amazing. First of all, hobbies are so underrated. In adulthood, we just don't really have a lot of access to them, especially with the invent of television and Netflix. There's so many things that we can do with our quote unquote free time if we're not really conscious about how we use it. And a hobby, especially one that takes your undivided attention like sewing, isn't really thought of until you're like, oh, I can go do this instead. It's much easier to click on the television or scroll or whatever the things that eat our time and energy away are. But in doing this, I realized a few things. Number one is that learning really sucks. I knew this from my yoga teacher training. It trips you up. It makes you question things about yourself, your abilities, everything from childhood comes up. And there's also a better way to do it than how I used to do it. When I used to go into learning new things, I came in with frazzled energy. Like, yes, I'd have a pen and the paper ready to learn and write everything down, and that seems like a really good method. But that intensity actually steals from digesting information. So coming out of my yoga teacher training into sewing, I was like, you know what? If I sit back a little bit and relax and don't focus so much on how much I learn and how much I retain, I might just retain a little bit more. And by bringing that softer energy to it, Turns out I did actually learn a lot more. And there's a huge lesson here when it comes to paying attention that without like this pressure on it, when we remove the pressure, we sink into our bodies, the brain actually is absorbing a lot more. And I'm sure there's some good scientific reason about this, how intensity might bring on a cascade of hormones or cause us to activate different parts of our brain, whereas we might need some like relaxation hormone in order to let things steep in. I don't know that for sure. That's a hypothesis. But it was really cool to let myself learn without the pressure of learning. And every time I made something, I 
had like an inner yippee. I did it, you know, and it seems so silly, but it's really not. I told this story in my newsletter, but I absolutely love it. My daughter is learning different things, you know, around our house. And when she does something new or something that she thinks is is like a big deal, she screams, I did it. And we all scream, you know, you did it. And we and we clap. And I just think to myself, like, she's building so much confidence and self-worth from these mini moments. And I don't think we do them enough in adulthood. And when I went to yoga class the other day, I was next to this woman and it's this great Saturday class. My friend Erica teaches and this great group of women, like the energy is just great, different than anywhere else I've ever been. This woman did this thing. It's called flip your dog where you kind of go upside down. And as she's upside down, she goes, oh my God, I did it. And a woman next to her goes, congratulations. And another one goes, and you looked beautiful doing it. And if you've ever attended a yoga class, like you are doing it cumulatively, but it's a very like personal practice. Nobody's talking. And this woman was just so proud of herself. And she's like, this was the first time I ever did it. And watching her celebrate herself and other women celebrate her gave me permission to continue to celebrate our small moments, our small wins, our small accomplishments. Nobody else is. But when she did, it actually invited other people to congratulate her. And it was beautiful. It was one of those moments I'll honestly remember forever. And that's what sewing has kind of done for me. It has helped me build my self-worth. It has challenged me beyond belief. But the problems that I run into is actually what builds my self-worth and my self-confidence. And again, like putting my energy towards this versus other things has actually opened up the creativity within me to create content online that comes from a true source, a spring that's ever flowing versus ones that I was trying to like pull things out from, from the, the purpose of constant content creation and keeping up with the algorithm and doing everything so that I stay relevant, right? I don't care about staying relevant anymore. I want to reach the people that I have, but I'm out of that rat race and feeling so free and aligned because I am pouring into myself, my practice, my work, exactly what I need and what I believe I have to give this world. It's pretty cool. Oh, on learning new things. Another thing that I want to add, and I'm going to sound 9,800 years old here, is that YouTube is a game changer. When I first started to sew back in college, there was no YouTube. So I'd learn in class, try to take notes on everything, and then bring that information home in front of my sewing machine, and I'd run into problems. I'd get stuck. I wouldn't know how to solve them. And that would make me want to rip my hair out. I'd spend hours trying to figure things out. And if I even figured them out, I moved forward and then I felt really good. But a lot of the times I just straight up got stuck. Now there's YouTube, not that it's like brand new, but it's such a helpful resource when learning something new. So going back to learning how to sew, having YouTube as my support system outside of the class that I'm in, Game changing, really game changing. Again, I know I sound 800 years old, especially for my younger listeners that have like learned everything on YouTube and that was their go-to. But my generation doesn't watch YouTube. We don't really watch anything actually, anything useful in my opinion. But being able to specifically run into problems, put that problem into Google and find a video that speaks directly to it. I mean, chef's kiss. YouTube does not get enough credit and YouTube is not going anywhere because of that. Thank you, YouTube. Okay, this is a hard shift, an abrupt, random change in conversation. 
talking about the Pamela Anderson documentary on Netflix. And I just said that I don't watch anything useful. And that is what I expected this documentary to be. I was lured in by way of social media. My curiosity was piqued. And I'm actually really glad that it was because it was such a good lesson in thinking that we know who somebody is, what they're about, when we know nothing about them. But that's not what today's topic is about. Today's topic is about toxic masculinity. And I was pretty surprised to learn a lot about Pamela Anderson beyond what my quick you know, preconceived ideas of her were. She actually has a lot of depth. She's really smart. She's really kind. She's really true to herself. And anyway, I'll save all of that. But long story short, she was married to Tommy Lee. They had a baby or two together and ultimately ended up getting divorced because he harmed her in some way physically. During the interviews where he's asked why he did this, because they were like madly in love, he explains that all he wanted was to have some love. You know, they had a baby and their world shifted. And this is what happens when a couple, no matter how madly in love, have a baby, a huge shift in the relationship between husband, wife or partners takes place. The wife, the first priority is always the baby. And then the second one has to be the mom for self in order to take care of baby. And then husband comes third. That is a big shift from coming first. And this causes a lot of problems. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, stay connected wherever you go and transform your vehicle into a dependable Wi-Fi hotspot. Powering applications like real-time GPS and voice assistant, navigation becomes a breeze. Even on the practice field, AT&T in-car Wi-Fi keeps you connected while in proximity of your vehicle. Work, stream shows, or finish homework without missing a beat. See if you're eligible for a free trial at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. Don't let connectivity be a roadblock in your journey. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required in a lot of relationships, not because it's not normal. I'm here to say that is normal, but because of toxic masculinity, this idea that a man shouldn't feel this way, that he, you know, has to walk around being all tough guy is actually the problem. Because if, if Tommy Lee could have just expressed his feelings, uh, maybe they would have gotten into an argument, right? That says this is obviously 
an imagined scenario that they would have gotten into an argument. You know, I can't get, make you first. The baby comes first. But if somebody actually comes forward with, I really need to feel loved right now. I feel like I don't matter to you. It shifts things so much. But men are not given permission by society to do so. And I don't have a son, so this isn't something that I'm dealing with. But for those of you raising sons, it is so important that we encourage them to be emotionally in touch and emotionally linguistic, to share their emotions, to not say be a tough boy or a big boy, and to make sure that they're given a place to express their feelings just the way we want everybody to articulate their experience. I in no way am defending, I think that hopefully that's obvious, but as I'm saying this, it's sounding a little jumbled. I'm in no way defending Tommy Lee for harming Pamela Anderson, but I felt so sad in an interview where he just said, I just wanted to be, you know, held and heard and told that I was loved too. Men are suffocating their own emotions because they don't know how to tap into that soft side. They don't know that they have permission to. I actually think that they can very easily, but they don't have permission to. And the result without all this conscious recognition of it is their emotions get bundled and bundled and bundled and tight into their stomach. And then it just explodes as rage, right? Physical or verbal. And it's helping nobody. So I just think that toxic masculinity needs to go. There's nothing sexier than a man who speaks their feelings and more importantly, a man who listens really well and doesn't gaslight and hold space. And it's a big way that we need to go in this society to get us there. But I wanted to just use that as an example to talk about toxic masculinity, notice where it is in your life and those around you, and also validate the experience for relationships that things really do shift when you have a baby. And it's very normal for a partner to feel like they come third, especially when a lot of the caregiving responsibilities in the beginning come from mom. And that doesn't mean that the mom has more responsibilities now to make sure that dad's da 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 But I just want to normalize that experience for anybody that's going through it, male or female, that it is very, 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 very normal. And I'm sure that there's a therapist out there who's not going to be me right now to talk about, you know, ways that you can overcome that, how to kind of navigate that shift, create a bridge, how to come together after a very natural divide. Wellness culture is our next topic. I don't even want to bring it up because I'm so tired of it, but I'm going to scratch the surface here. I'm sure that you saw or heard Gwyneth Paltrow on a popular podcast talk about what she eats in a day. I don't even want to like get into this. I think that all that has been played off of it has just given it more press, but it did spark some of my own thoughts. So I will share a tiny bit of what I took away from that clip. Granted, I did not listen to the entire podcast episode, but in listening to what Gwyneth Paltrow eats in a day and the tone in which she delivered the message, I started to feel like wellness. <laughs> I get why it has a bad reputation. <laughs> Unrelated to even the disordered eating, the lack of levity, joy, smiles as she talked about food is actually what was more frightening. 
true wellness means something very different to me. And I hope that I can continue to talk about wellness and health and bring that nuance back. So here I'm talking about wellness culture. And I'm going to use that term when we talk about things in wellness that we do under that umbrella name, but they don't seem very well. Wellness culture does not often leave room for things like vegging out, laughter, and connection. So much of wellness as we see it online, and again, I don't know anything about Gwyneth Paltrow, so I'll just like take her out of the conversation for this next part here. But so much about wellness involves a checklist, intense ritualization, and things you're not already doing, can't afford, isn't accessible, and it robs you of joy. Now, I've talked about disordered eating and lifestyle-related things, and a lot of the times it starts feeling really good in your body. You've made the shift. You feel empowered. Your digestion's working better. All of that is like, boop, 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 boop. But at some point, and it usually takes even more than a year till you reach that point, something stops working. All of a sudden, you're afraid of a food or you're not enjoying yourself in any aspect of life. You're just become too rigid and about it. And you've lost the balance, right? You've, you've lost the balance. And again, it's, it's like this nuance, which I'm starting to realize is, is one of hopefully like what I'm here to do is bring the nuance back into the conversation. It doesn't mean that green juices are bad or taking supplements are bad or eating almonds are bad. Like not one thing is bad. Not even intermittent fasting is necessarily bad for everybody. But when we become too dogmatic about it and we squeeze out the joy, the laughter, the connection, the fun, the playfulness. It doesn't matter how healthy our food is if it's not providing all around nourishment, not just nourishment for our cells and our bones and parts of the body we can identify thanks to anatomy class, but nourishment for our souls to feel peaceful within our bodies, right? Like you could eat healthy, healthy foods, but if it doesn't feel really good and connecting, something is is missing here. And I think that as I've gotten older and made my way through life a little bit more in my mid-30s, I've really come to realize that it's, like I said in the beginning, leaning into joy, leaning into connectivity, leaning into the most delicious, sacred moments of life is part of wellness. But what we are seeing online more and more is this intense ritualization, these long fasts often disguised as health, not to say that a fast can't be healthy in some situations or whatever, it's kind of a whole other topic. But if you're all in, you're oftentimes all out in other parts of your life. And this is a hard one because it has taken me so long to find my version of wellness and I am continuously refining it, especially as I get older, and I deal with other health things. I call on food, nutrition, and all those things and supplements even more. But I'm also having a really good time with it. And it's okay if I miss it. And I'm not freaking out about it. And I'm certainly not going to go on a podcast where millions and millions of listeners are on there and talk about, well, not that I do this, but I mean, the fact that she Gwyneth talked about fasting and the way that she does so publicly without disclaimers. Again, didn't listen to the whole podcast here, so I apologize if I'm wrong here was a little bit frightening because it really speaks to who she's surrounding herself with, which which I believe is, you know, a lot of L.A. culture where this is so normalized. And so in that culture, it's like pursuit of health to gain what? You know, 
you got to look at, at what you're gaining. And I, I don't know her personally. Maybe she's happy. Maybe she's not. But in that quick clip that I got, my intuitive hit feeling didn't feel like overwhelming happiness. And maybe that was just her in the moment. But I thought that spoke volumes about it more to me than even the contents of what she said. There was a, a little bit of a lack of life in her. And this is not a hit on Gwyneth Paltrow because ultimately what my mindfulness practice has done has really softened me as a person where I might critique some things that she has said or done because it was so public. But as a person, compassion all the way. And if that works for her and she wants to live that way and it's not affecting her relationships and this is what she wants, good. But my gut instinct take said something doesn't feel right here. And maybe it was because the clip was obviously used to get a reaction out of everybody. And the amount of people that did that thing where you post the the reaction video, maybe it was meant to go viral because what does that do for the podcast? It gets it more views and likes. And I don't think she's probably as sensitive as I am to internet backlash. That's for sure. She's gotten enough of it. But anyway, I've talked way too much about Gwyneth Paltrow and I didn't want to talk about her at all. All to say that wellness culture needs to have room for the good stuff. Next up, I'm talking about the biggest nutritional mistake people make, which is thinking that one way of eating will work forever for them. I said this a moment ago, but oftentimes when we make shifts in our diet and lifestyle, it feels really good. We feel empowered. It's working well for our digestion, our energy levels, our skin is clearing, and we say, I'm going to do this forever. But what we fail to realize is that as mammals aging, our bodies are constantly changing. We are living in an environment that is constantly changing. And therefore, our needs are constantly changing. There is a reason that so many people that go vegan for 10 years are no longer vegan, or people that um, are not vegetarian then become vegetarian, or they do this, or they do that. Like a very strict eating protocols rarely work out for a lifetime because things shift and we notice that we need something else. And we're so surprised by it every time. Like, oh my God, this person's not this anymore. This person's not this. Like, nobody should. We've got to stay open-minded as our nutritional needs change throughout our life cycle. We think that we're just like these static human beings, but we are mammals going through a life cycle. And each part of that life cycle, we have different needs. Our hormones are going to change. It's going to affect how our different varying vitamin levels that we need. We are living in an environment that is constantly changing, which is going to affect how much this and that that we need. I'm being vague, but the point here is that the biggest mistake is that we need is just thinking that one way will work forever. I have granted myself so much permission over the years to not really have a, a label. You know, I... I'm constantly flowing and changing and and moving in a direction that feels right for me. And there's always that open mind of, well, this could change. Well, this can change. And it's just really interesting to witness people kind of wake up to the idea. They're so shocked when when their way of eating is no longer working for them anymore. And just know that the body is sending wisdom. And so follow that and all will be good. Simple, right? (laughs) Okay. 
I've got a lot of topics today. Next topic is conscious rest. I think I talked about this in the last Lisa Lately, but conscious rest is so underrated and hard to get. We know what rest is, right? Like sleeping. And then we talk about like rest, not doing anything. But rest is oftentimes disguised as watching television, being on our phone, decompressing in some of those ways, even getting like a manicure pedicure. And I can really only think of one place where conscious rest really happens, which is Shavasana corpse pose at the end of a yoga practice. And in most Western yoga places, it's very rushed because that's not why people come to yoga. People are coming to yoga for the workout and then they're out. When it comes to the end, lying on your back, people are done. It's not a stretch. What is it, right? It's like hard to understand. Meanwhile, Shavasana, it's the integration phase where we are conscious and we are resting and we are not meditating necessarily, but something else is just going on in our bodies and minds. And there's really, I can't think of any other place besides for Shavasana where we can kind of get that type of rest. And it's so, 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 so underrated and hard to get. If you do practice yoga, I want to encourage you to lean more into Shavasana. Your Shavasana, shavasana should be five to 10 minutes, really. To, in order to feel the effects. And if you don't practice yoga, right when you wake up is a great time to do it also. You're lying in bed, you're awake, but before you grab your phone, can you just lie there for five minutes? For me, a lot of the things that come up in conscious rest are gratitude, a sense of knowing where my body is in time and place that otherwise gets lost in the hustle and bustle and shuffle and quick paced life that we live. It's a quick connection to self. It's a check in with yourself. It's a noticing of your breathing and noticing of any tension in your body. It's tending to yourself. It's giving yourself that attention that you so badly need in order to go out into the world and protect yourself. So yeah, conscious rest. Next topic and final topic is on pandiculation. Now, you thought that I would be finished with my yoga teacher training after my 300 hour, but all that did was spark my interest in what's next. So my 300 hour at Yoga Shanti was incredible. I learned so much about the architecture of shapes and cueing and subtle but important body mechanics movements in getting into a pose and achieving it, modifications for those that can't or moments where we can't. And then I've also been really drawn to something called yoga somatics, which is kind of entirely different because it's not free flow, but it's letting your body lead and leaning into that. I've always been interested in somatics uh, without knowing that word. That's actually been my greatest tool in therapy has been when my therapist stops me and says, your body's doing this, or I noticed that you're twitching your arm or your leg is flinching. And from that, she stops me and I tune into my emotion and I've carried that out of the therapist's office for years, knowing that I notice when my heart is beating a little bit, a bit more than usual. I notice when my stomach is tightening. And from there, I'm like, hey, what's up? What's going on, Lisa? Like, you want to go to the bathroom if you're in the middle of dinner? You want to, you know, have a combo? You want to journal? What's going on? It's been an incredible tool to get to know my body's wisdom by way of its physical sensations. So taking that into the yoga practice only makes perfect sense for me. And this course is a little less unofficial than my last course where we met 
a certain amount of hours. This is much more self-led. So I'm going through it much more slowly. So according to yoga somatics course that I'm in on pendiculation, whenever you reach, stretch, or make some guttural or earthy type of noises when getting out of bed for a while, you're initiating our own human pendiculation response. We see it in cats. We see that in babies all of the time. And yet we don't really do it as humans because it's not socially acceptable. If we're in a meeting and we have to yawn, we try and like hold it in. Like we do so many things that are counter to what we need. And pendiculation is our nervous system's natural way of waking up our sensory motor system and preparing us for movement. And I just love this because... It's a great way to initiate and move out of a sense of staleness in our body. So even right now, just like initiate a yawn, even if it's a fake one, Ah, and then stretch your arms up, right? And you'd moved in a certain way. I didn't tell you which way to go, but you moved in a certain direction and it felt a certain way. And hopefully you continued to move a little bit, finding space in your own body, So it's an automatic thing, but we can also consciously do it to send biofeedback to our nervous system to help prevent the buildup of muscular tension. Because instead of like reaching up up and up, 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 up the whole day, so we tighten and we clench and then we don't know why we're so tense and why our muscle hurts at the end of the day, we can introduce this throughout the day and really change the way we feel in our physical bodies and within our nervous system. So I just love the idea of pendiculation as voluntary, intentional movement and how ridiculous it looks in the modern world to ah, open your mouth wide, scrunch your face, put your arms up to the side, out. It feels so good, so primal, and like we've been missing it all along. So that's on pandiculation. And that is also a wrap on this week's Lisa Lately. I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed this different shifted side of me. I'm feeling really good aligned and in check and I hope that some of that is contagious to you and you take that with you I'd love to hear if you love this episode share it on social dm me leave some reviews on apple itunes and thanks for hanging with me I'll see you back here next week Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! 
And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.